Hey guys, this is Morgan. Welcome back to Baby I Got Backhand. It's been a while. Uh, this is a podcast about photography and running creative businesses and a whole bunch of shit. Um, it's actually kind of cool. It's one of those podcasts that started out of an idea that's then kind of merged with a few other ideas and gone in sometimes goes full circle back to other creative conversations. But anyway, here we are. Welcome, Eric Ronald is the guest today. How you going? Good, Morgs. How are you? Look fine. Fine. Uh, we're fine-ish. We, uh, this is being recorded um, Tuesday the 1st of March uh, and we were going to go see the Batman film this week but um, can't get out of our suburb currently so that's fine. Crazy. <laughs> it was funny when we were conversing earlier today and I'm like this is a reverse Melbourne lockdown situation where I'm like oh um, it could be the beginning of World War Three and Ukraine's been invaded and um and completely forgetting that there is this full-on flooding up north um and then i'm like oh now this is what you guys were like when melbourne was in lockdown for essentially two years and you were just living your life as normal and then it's like oh yeah everyone in melbourne's like really struggling right now i forgot about that yeah i mean you know this will only be for a little while but for most people but you know some people have died and a lot of people have lost some sort of property and other various things so it's wild um yes but that's a whole even just that as an idea of just being aware of what other people's situations are and just being just conscious of it and making sure that that's part of your <laughs> i mean in a way in a in a micro way it's actually kind of something that we have to do every day we rock up to a shoot it's kind of just yeah. being like we don't know what's what's going on in all of these people's lives and let's let's just treat everything let's just be cool right let's just yeah take it easy and don't put don't push too much empathy empathy is a key to a lot of a lot of the mysteries of life is is empathy like in terms of healing in terms of oh anyway that's a that's a podcast in itself <laughs> that's a different uh, but yes it relates to photography as well <laughs> so there's plenty well, of segues to pounce on there but we can skip that. <laughs> Welcome to the photography wellness podcast. I don't know. I guess, I guess there's probably one of those does exist. Uh, I'm not sure I want to listen to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, welcome. Thanks for coming. Um, tell us, tell us about what you do where, uh, basically, and what I find also think that whenever you have this conversation as I, I know you and this conversation that you will have is talking about what you did before photography, which I quite, I find quite interesting as well. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, my name is Eric and I'm a wedding photographer and, um, yeah, I've been doing it for about 10 years now and, um, I'm quite fond of it. I, I really like it. I never would have thought, um, prior to discovering it, that, that this is what I would do. Um, but there is so many reasons that it's perfect for me. Well, you could boil them down into pretty simple terms. Um, but yeah, I guess I've always approached it um, with a mindset of um, enjoying the creative process and um, the human experience that you have as as a person being there and documenting other people's experience of of getting married on their wedding day. And um, it's been good to me uh, in terms of the people I've got to meet the 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 being a fly on the wall for really special moments um, 
makes me feel so incredibly alive. Um, and I, I just get such a buzz out of it and I still do. Um, and yeah, I've, I've had times where I've done a lot of destination work. Um, and that's been fun. Um, like pinch yourself moment stuff, but, um, that's become less important, uh, which is pretty good timing because we're not doing an awful lot of travel at the moment, but it's true. And really, you know, uh, a wedding around the corner in Melbourne could, um, could be be more of a, a precious experience for me than just because it is on the other side of the world. It's somewhere cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone's seen that blog post, like a- anyone who Googles Australian wedding photographer has probably come across um, your blog post that you did in Egypt. Uh, that was wild. Have I got that right? Was that, that was right. Egypt, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah and that, that was, was wild. Cool, cool moment. Um, <laughs> But the th- but that's a whole thing. Like, do you feel like, did you actually, uh, that's it. I want to go back to the whole pivoting. Like, I think a few years ago, if we'd had this conversation and COVID wasn't a thing, was that, was that something you always wanted to pivot back to regardless of there being a global pandemic that limited our travel? And while, while people could not believe me and go, oh, mate, you just had to say this because you can't travel anymore. Uh, I literally was gearing more and more toward, towards shooting in Australia and also specifically Melbourne. There was yeah. a period of time where I would even have trouble booking a Melbourne wedding because my portfolio was so destination focused. Yeah. Um, and I have... I have family, I have a son, I've got a wonderful partner, I've got my parents. Um, I, I, part, of, part of me continuing to love what I do is to, it's to strike a better balance than what I've done in, in previous years. And so I don't want to be gallivanting around the world. And fortunately, I've, I have had, even prior to photography, I've done a lot of travel and I, there is a sense of getting a bit of travel out of my system um, as mm. well. So, but yeah, being away from home, um, you can be in the most amazing accommodation or amazing places. Sometimes it can still be quite sad <laughs> being there alone. Mm. Um, and I'm not the first person to, um, to say that either. So, um, yeah, but you know, a, a, a smattering of destination weddings, um, in the years ahead, um, is already on the cards and something I'm excited about. Um, but man, there was a few years there where it was just, I was barely home and, um, yeah, I was pretty shit dad. And, um, and as well as a few other things, um, in the process. So, um, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, there is the idea that the grass is always greener, like that's the saying, but like, I think when someone's starting out, they're looking at, they're looking at people who they would, for better or worse, uh, in various contexts, either by their own you know, volition or by the community at large, putting this term on them would be sort of, you know, industry leaders or people that you would say are, are individuals that are sort of out there fucking kicking some goals in the thing in, in, in the space. And I'd say like, you're someone that, you know, in, when I started out, I saw doing work and went, Oh, this, this motherfucker's doing all right. I guess this is, you know, um, there are other people that we can mention, but I would, but there's no, but, but there's that idea that because you're doing those things, that that's the ticket and that's the end goal. Um, and clearly in various, clearly COVID and other various things have shown us that that's not necessarily the most sustainable way to do things, but also those topics that you mentioned. Um, 
how how did how did becoming in in other ways have how has becoming a parent changed um how you how you photograph and also how you run your business oh well that's an interesting question but yeah a quick a quick thing to circle back to and you'll have to yeah yeah um is you know it's funny that you say that about me because i certainly when i was starting was just the um beginnings of jonas peterson blowing up to be the big thing yeah and um and uh amazing wedding photographer, amazing career, all these things. Um, but as you made the point of earlier, you look to go, oh, this guy's killing it. Um, what's he doing? Oh, he's doing destination yep. weddings, so I bet he'd do them too. While I did actually have a genuine desire to, to travel and, and to, to do destination weddings, and I, and I still love it to this day, there, there is that element of this is what you do if you want to be successful is do destination weddings, whereas I think that vibe has changed a lot. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think that for me personally, the idea of I, something that annoyed me about shooting in Egypt all those years ago was that I don't want to just point my camera at the pyramids and go pop there. Cool. I've been here. I want to go, mm. how can I put my mark on it? How can I make this mine? And it was actually through those things that led me in a certain direction in my style, which I still am going down, exploring that path to this day. So mm. Sometimes it's some of those destination weddings a few years ago were almost markers in my style because I'm like, I don't want this to just look cool because it's a Hindu wedding in India and there's henna. Like I want to actually add my style and stuff. So then, um, which then that then triggers this word of ego as well. And that then relates to the question that we're going to circle back to <laughs> is. Um, I do that. Uh, I, I, and I'm, a, I'm also out of practice. So I'm like asking two fucking questions at once. right? <laughs> no, no, no. It was more than a jog something else. No, no. So yeah, in terms of being a parent, um, you know, I, the first few years of my son Fox's life, um, I, I just feel like, I mean, I, I loved him from square one. I did the birthing classes. I did all the things, but I also was um, very career focused, um, but also had something to prove to myself. And and then you could, you know, that's, that's a discussion for me and my therapist in terms of going deeper into that, proving something <laughs> to myself, but also person X and, and Y. But um, I think that in... Um, kind of going through a lot of changes in my personal life and being in a season of peace um, as my in my life's journey. Um, part of the fruits of that is just chilling the fuck out um, and just loving my life, loving what I do, loving my body, loving the people close to me, my parents, my son, my partner Katie, and 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 just all of the other stuff to just let go like shed that dead weight it's like that um beautiful disney film up where for him to fly he needed to throw all of this stuff from the past out of the house um it's one of the most that just gets me every time that metaphor Mm. because i feel like i'm a better person because of letting stuff go from the past and that for me personally, being a, a sensitive little snowflake and an emotional driven, emotionally driven person, um, I did have a lot of stuff, I, a lot of stuff that, um, and I still do, but going through this process of just letting things go, um, worries, anxieties, um, trauma, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, 
So Fox has been perhaps the biggest impetus um, to do that because when I'm with him, I am so present and I feel so alive and I feel so silly and um, and I want to just give him all of my time and love. And while I'm a very much an imperfect person, the things that I do know, I want to I want to share with him and um, give him the best shot that he can have. Um, and in, in 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 adopting those that kind of mindset, it's like um, there's an interesting thing I watched on neural plasticity the other day. But in terms of just get, uh, the other thing, sorry, the mind's darting around. <laughs> empathy. No, this is uh, good. <laughs> practicing empathy, practicing love and selflessness. The more that you do these things, the more it becomes part of your consciousness more day to day, routinely. Um, and I don't know. So therefore, when you turn up to a wedding. Um, you are looking at it more in terms of um, there's always what do they get, what do I get? There's always that equation. Um, You know, we get paid money, for example. So everyone's getting something for doing this thing to some extent. Even if you're not getting paid, you're getting experience and you blah, 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 blah. So there's always a transaction. But I think the more empathy and the more selflessness that you can uh, can exist in 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 your conscious, that you're going to be better. You're going to be a better photographer and you're going to do the best job that you possibly can. So, yeah, it's all interesting interesting stuff. Yeah, that was that was a great like response to that. <laughs> like we 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 went on various journeys and various streams. Um what I find interesting like I I often use this in a in a line where I'm meeting with a couple where I'm asking them because we like, I I like dialing into a certain style, but I also just generally accept that all wedding photography. And I think in general, all sort of photography, that's a service based creative arty practice. Um, But with that emphasis on, I mean, it's a service based. These are people that are paying us to do something for them. Um, is is pointing that needle in a certain direction and saying, okay, here's a gamut in which I can work. So if you booked me for a, and I'm stereotyping, but you know, if if we were at a golf course wedding, um, I'm going to be shooting that more in a certain area of the pie. And yeah. if we're at a backyard wedding, I'm going to be shooting more in this area of the pie. None of them are speci- are explicitly more my style because we all develop tools and we all develop things and that's fine. But I kind of half jokingly say to couples where I'm asking them this question, what are your priorities? You know, how, what do you want photographed, et cetera, et cetera. It's that my default position, if you said come to my wedding and I'm not paying you, but we want photos, but we can't tell you what to do. <laughs> like this yeah. is this weird hypothetical. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess if I was, you know, if you're photographing a wedding, how, uh, you know, in your default state as much as you can be. I joke with people that they'd be getting like 200 photos of all the kids at the wedding picking their nose in black and white and that's it. Yeah. So that's kind of, I joke that that's my default position, but it's not really a joke. Yeah, yeah, no. Do you feel like you have a default position or somewhere that you sort of, or at least a place that you try and start from? Well, I certainly resonate with those points that you make that um, sometimes it amazes me how um, like Jose Villa, for example, is applying a formula to every single wedding. I'm not dissing it at all. It just is so, so different. And um, so he'll be like, we have to do portraits at this time in relation to sunset, have to have all these parameters. 
probably a list of vendors that he works with, all that kind of stuff. So he is replicating the same products over and over and over again. And it's beautiful. But also, if I was to do that, I would, um, my soul would die. Like, I just, I could not stand that. Okay. Um, but here's my argument, and this is why I really wanted to talk to you about making the work today. And I'll, I want to touch on this. What we said before is that, is the, yeah, I'll just tell the story. But it was a few years ago, uh, a few years ago in, you know, one of those photography groups and everyone was talking and commenting about different things. And, oh, I want to go for, I think, I think it was something like a comment about, I want to push to full time, but I can't make the jump yet. How do you guys all do it? And everyone's talking about this and talking about this and talking about this. And it took, it was a good 30 comments before you ch- chimed in. And was like, well, first of all, also, you know, first of all, you've got to make really good photos. <laughs> and I just always remember that because that was always like, that's, that's my drive. Like I didn't get into this to do anything else other than because I, I love, I'm good at this and I'm, I love making work. And that's, a, it's an area that I can get employment whilst also making great stuff. Um, and I know that you feel the same way, but I'd also argue that at some level, all of us have a workflow and a process that we do when we, that we apply to these things. Um, so even though I, you know, you're like, well, I couldn't, my soul would die, but your process, you have a process at some level, there is a process though. Indeed. I, I, there's so many interesting points that come from this. So, um, okay. So first of all, um, uh, I always I always make sure I credit him for this because I hope one time he's going to hear it and um, and go oh that's cool. Many years ago, Todd Todd McGaw said this idea of he just used this simple word of a collaboration. It's a collaboration between you and the couple. Yeah. And I remember hearing that and just filing that away. And I still it still sits with me to this day because that is the answer to the, that point that you've just made is that. I have a photographic style. I have certain ways that I like to shoot. Um, I have a certain aesthetic that I try and achieve. But it's it's a sphere. It's a it's a it's a bubble. And then the thing that makes it interesting for me to do my thing is this other sphere, which is the couple and who they are as people. What's important to them on their day? What's important to them in their photography? what the venue is, what the light's doing, um, all of those variables are is the other half of the creative process. And that really fascinates me. And that's super, super, super interesting. And I think that's where it's different is that while I I am who I am and I have a, I, I have a, a degree of confidence in in my style and approach, um I'm also, I put so much importance and trying to put more and more importance on getting to know the couple. And, you know, there's some cliche things like investing in the relationship and all that kind of stuff. But I find the more that I engage and interact with the couple, the more I build a rapport and a relationship with them. So it establishes trust. You can let both parties can let their guard down, but also your gut feeling becomes very tightly focused on what you want to give this couple on their wedding day um that you can collaborate your style and the other half of the collaboration you know exactly where you should take that um a beautiful heartfelt backyard wedding um a week a week and a half ago um you know it was at their place 
they had a newborn baby and a dog and it just it just by getting to know them and hanging out and going sitting in their backyard with them the day before the wedding and just kind of going through some of the details of the day but just doing all the chit chat I knew that this day was going to be about um their friends and family and their their baby and just having their dog around and it's just like you just get this really yeah. strong sense of okay I can bring my stuff and I know how I'm gonna where, where the heart lies in this um and then there's certain aspects where I'll try and kind of push my um push them outside of maybe what they think they want and try and give them a little bit of maybe what they didn't know they wanted and I guess what like that's where maybe the portrait session comes into it for example that backyard wedding I took them basically down to this stormwater drain that looked like we we're out in Kakadu and mm. um you know they didn't want to be gone too long and I was mindful of that but I, I did push them to kind of go to this place at this certain time and, and whatever and, and know that it will it will be good in retrospect when they see the photos same kind of thing the other day there was a stunning venue and I wanted to take them off site to um, a forest that was sitting above a cemetery. And I'm like, man, this is random. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, I knew I needed to push the, push the friendship to get them to jump in my car. Anyways, that's a perhaps a lesser point, but I do think the more you invest in the relationship, the more you can um, capitalize on that relationship as well. When you're like, I really want to push them to, to, to do this shot mm. or to duck out at mm. sunset when maybe they've got some hesitation while being mindful of what is important to them as well. Like if they want to be there with their guests all day, then you're not going to want to take them on a two-hour portrait session. But um, No, that's yeah. right. Uh, before Pause you go seconds. to another question, the, yeah. the, the other thing was that in terms of you mentioned that, that comment on Facebook, and I, this is like just something that I want to get off my chest. <laughs> I yeah. have, a, have a rant. I talk to a lot of photographers and and sometimes there can be almost a degree of shaming around the the arty farty art wank emotional stuff around oh I'm not a creative person or oh I don't worry too much about the airy fairy stuff um I just take photos and I um I, I'm not um I'm not that kind of person. I am an emotional person and I'm quite happy to talk in, in cliches and and the stuff that gives me all the warm and fuzzies. But I think the mistake that people make is that let's do an analogy of, um, a, like, like you said earlier, we're a service provider. Um, you know, think of it, what we do is as a trades person. Um, if you are a carpenter, and you go, man, I want to be like one of the, like one of the best carpenters in, in my town or in my city. Um, are you going to, um, seek out, um, information on how to make millions of dollars being a carpenter, or are you going to go, how do I be a really fucking good carpenter? Like, how do I nail those joins? How do I, how do I, how do I do produce the best work possible in the most efficient way and let's not forget that creativity and problem solving go hand in hand. Carpenters mm. are highly creative people because they're encountering encountering problems every day, and they have to think broadly and, and laterally to to come up with with problem solving. And and so, I don't know. Would a carpenter, because they care about carpentry and want to be a better carpenter each time they pick up the tools, 
is that airy, fairy, fluffy art wank? Of course not. They're just wanting to be a good tradesperson. So I would argue that photography is no different, that um, if you want to be a good photographer, even if you want to make a bit of money as a photographer, perhaps step one is learn about photography, learn how your camera works, learn what makes a good photo a good photo. Um and uh, you know, dive through your your camera settings, and how can we? How can I tweak my camera setup to to kind of get me in the best possible um, place to to take the best photo I can without um, technical barriers and boundaries? And so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, like it's it's funny that uh, like I'm I'm interested in where the idea got lost because I do believe somewhere it it is lost or at least it's not it's not lost but it's just it's just not a it's not a it's not a, a major topic of conversation all the time like it's not this yeah. it's it's been overshadowed by somewhat of a business process thing and the argument I think the counter argument is well that's what we're not good at so we should talk about that but i don't know like can we just let's just make really fucking work good work and see how far we get (laughs) yeah yeah and the thing (laughs) is like um you know uh as a as a photographer myself just because i you know i'm very passionate about talking about um photography and and that that being a priority that doesn't mean that i think i'm a um a shit hot photographer i'm a student of photography before we spoke I was literally, I mentioned before my camera settings, I was going through my camera settings, just every single page and just going, oh, maybe I'm going to tweak this. Maybe I'm going to adjust that and go, oh, I should have thought of that earlier and I should have done that ages ago or whatever. Or things like lighting. Yeah, it's limitless. It's (laughs) limitless how much we can learn, especially as wedding photographers where we are thrown into different um, lighting situations, different modes of photography, or in other words, different genres of photography. We have to be so skilled. And I know from my point of view, like I'm still learning and and every single time I pick up the camera, I'm still learning. Um, so anyone that says, oh, I don't need to prioritize photography because I've kind of got that down pat. I'm more interested in, in um, you know, how to make a million bucks. Like I call bullshit on that because... Um, you know that it's it's a it's a limitless thing to keep learning and exploring and if you start to get in a pretty sweet spot of nailing it then a lot of these other things that were important to you kind of can fall into place in terms of um having a successful business and and um having you know you mentioned finding my Egypt wedding on Google. Well, I didn't put any thought into that. It just happened. I, I don't. I don't geek out on that stuff. So, um, you know, good work will um, kind of prevail in some ways. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, the thing the thing about cameras these days is that they're more computers. Well, I mean, it's not like they're not cameras, but they're there's so much a computer doing that thing and so just like absolute pages and pages and pages of menus i think some people can find it overwhelming but i'm i love all that stuff like i like being able to be like oh wow so my camera can do this like i can set up time lapse things and multi and and exposure smoothing with in in camera time lapse and i can set up uh you know multiple exposure modes and interval timers and all these things to make all this stuff happening like that's just a tool like those are all tools that you can you can work, put in your system and put in your your tool belt 
to get things done. Yeah, but in terms of like, you know, those camera settings, even just things like um, the settings that you do want to use, having them on like a quick menu so you can get to them quickly or a, yeah. a signed button. And then modes and settings and display pages that you don't use, hide them and get rid of them to create your tool to be most efficient and effective as possible. Yeah, I love all that stuff. It just, you know, it's the the inner geek gets excited with with all that stuff. But I think everyone should have a little inner geek if you're a photographer because you, yeah. you're mucking around with a camera. So That's right. Hey, you just mm. switched over to mirrorless recently. You picked up, didn't you? Haven't you gone to the R5s or something like that? Is that... Yeah, so I've had the R5 uh, for a few months now. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, mirrorless isn't anything particularly new, but it is for Canon uh, users somewhat. (laughs) Um, So yeah, look, uh, you know, while we don't need to kind of go down this rabbit hole too far, um, I do love the R5 and I love um, the, the focusing on it is just beautiful and every other camera manufacturer has their equivalent. So I'm not saying Canon's any better, but just as someone who's been using uh, a mirrorless camera system for a few months, uh, well, longer than that, probably a year now, but um, it's just, it is a game changer in my view, just to be able to Mm. so quickly and easily select your subject and, and stick with them with tack sharp focusing DSLRs, the way that they would focus was so archaic. It went back to, you know, how a 35 mil SLR would focus. Um, yeah. It's pretty old school and it was never good. <laughs> I found that like if it kept, if they kept developing it, I feel like it would have gone, like I still am on mostly a DSLR. So I'm on D850s, Nikons. Yeah. And honestly, the 3D tracking on the Nikons, I find spectacular. Yeah, there you go. I'm still not. Like I still know that the mirrorless, well, I think the Z6s aren't as good, but I've seen people, I mean, you know, you'll be, um, we'll probably, we'll be hanging out. Apparently we'll be hanging out with one Kelly Tunney who I've been trying to get on this podcast actually for a while in a couple of months time. And I know that she is a mega fan of the Z9. And I know that that's, I know that we're just going to keep getting more and more and more and better and better and better and quicker and quicker. Totally. And it's all wild, but uh, I'm sure she will sing the praises. But I haven't jumped all entirely yet. Um, yeah. have you, and just quick on that, just because I find quite interesting, um, I do feel like the intersection of gear chat can be too easily dismissed, like the intersection of where it is. It goes into the – it's part of the tools and part of the workflow. And I think that there's a little bit of, oh, who cares, throw it out, let's not talk about it. Uh, one f- conversation that I will always be interested in is focal length choice. And if it's changed at all, at all with mirrorless, are you doing different things? Are you doing zooms? Are you doing uh, different different games there? Or are you just trying to stick with what you know and what you like? No, I, um, I too am, am passionate about this subject. Um, and my, uh, without crapping on about my past too much, um, what I did, what I was, what I thought I wanted to be when I was finishing up high school uh, was a cinematographer and I went off to film school and, and whatever. So in my private study in high school, instead of learning uh, or writing or doing stuff that I was meant to be doing, I was reading the, um, the ACS um, handbook. Of course and, you were. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was like reading a textbook. It just had nothing to do with uh, finishing high school. So I pretty, um, I conditioned myself a very long time ago around the beauty of focal lengths and the different uh, story that they tell. Uh, 
And so I'm I, I really, really, um, I don't think it's something, I agree with you, I don't think it's something that's given enough consideration. It's not talked about, but even if it's talked about, I don't think people necessarily understand the the language that they're inadvertently totally. communicating with, totally. with the difference of each focal length and the literally like it's so such a cliche thing to say but the different story that it tells like that is a hundred percent the case and um yeah all you need to do is is google it or, or look at a quick cinematography thing and the same principle applies in in photography of course but um it's it's particularly you uh relevant in cinematography where you're using multiple lenses in each scene and um, really using it as a, as a cinematic device with a lot of photography. Um, usually or often uh, the genre is tied to a common focal length like photojournalism is very classically 35mm. Of course, there's always exceptions to these rules. Um, fashion uh, because of uh, the compression of the face and things like that, you know, the longer telephoto focal lengths. Um, so there's all that kind of stuff as well, the technical aspect of it. But um, the connection with the subject is um, the thing that really fascinates me the most. Um, the, you know, the, the wider the lens, the closer you need to be to the subject and the closer you feel to the subject when you're taking well, the photo yeah. and when you see the photo. And so, you know, if you're shooting vows and you're on a 200 mil lens in the car park, while it might look all buttery and soft and and whatever, it's um it doesn't feel intimate. It doesn't feel close and connected to the subject. Mm. Um, whereas if you were to hypothetically get up in their face in the vows with the twenty four, then you're gonna feel when you look at that photo, you are in that moment, you were there. And so there's that um almost like symbolism um to each focal length, and I, I just think it's fascinating. But to answer that, sir, some specifics is um. When I many moons ago, it'd be like a thirty-five and fifty guy, um, mm. and then transition to twenty-four and fifty. Um, I still have a lot of primes with me on the day that I'll swap out, but I'll always have my twenty-four on um, my left body, and then a telephoto on the right, whether it's the fifty, the eighty-five. Chuck on the macro at times for a bit of um, bit of play there. Yeah, bit of fun, um, bit of this, bit of that. Bit of the tilt, maybe the one thirty-five. If I do need to be, oh, in the you car could at least do it a tilt. Lens. Classic. Yeah, look, that's very two thousand and eleven. Is Morgs is spot on there, mate? But I'm I'm adamant that um it can be used in fun and interesting ways that yeah is less common because yes, I think it totally. really was this um you know oh let's blur uh yeah let's create a, th- a thin yeah. plane of focus but you can because of how it's bending it, you can be creating um, multiple depths of focus. And yeah, it's some really interesting stuff that you can do. Um, and it's fun. And actually on the, um, in the mirrorless systems, manually focusing on it is pretty cool as well with focus indicators and things. So you can be yeah. confident that it's, it's um, so nice and sharp. clever. Yeah. You're not just eyeballing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in a tiny um, little screen. Yeah, um, and you used to swap yeah. out the ground glass and all that kind of stuff to, oh, no, to get it. Who has time for that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, no, like, I still have fun with it. Yeah, too. I like it. That's cool. No, that's great. Uh, it's it's all it's all wonderful. Um, I was about to yeah. I think focal length is interesting. Like I can talk about focal length forever. People ask me a lot, like 
uh, or people ask me, most of the time it's me responding to a question in a group or something, but sometimes people ask me. But my default response is, where do you find yourself? Like what's your working distance? And then you have to figure out from there what you got to get. So if your working distance on the dance floor is X, then maybe jump jump on a 16 mil or something but and then so on and so forth but that's the question that you ask yourself the thing i love about focal length is everyone talks about the lens doing the compression when and i'm sure you know this but it's easier to say in this way but um is that uh, there's a such a cool youtube video showing how it's distance the subject um that actually does the compression because it's talking about relative distance from subject to background and all those things and the lens just gives the lens just fills the frame with what you want at that distance and i find that is the biggest thing that people forget because they go i want a 24 to make it look like this and you know well it doesn't look like that because you picked a 24 you can stand two kilometers away from something and it'll be really flat and compressed just zoom in to 500 percent you can see yeah it's it they're they're compressed because the distance is relatively the same um yep. anyway i might find the best example of that which i found on youtube and put that in the show notes because it's really cool and it will remind people that it's not the lenses it's the lenses it's you and your position to the subject but the lens is allowing you to get what you then need in the frame at that distance anyway yeah just, it is an interesting yeah. um yeah like uh i think um lindsay adler did it once in, in a beauty photography uh, context yeah. of the same the same face um kind of filling the frame to the same degree and looking at the different focal lengths and um yeah yeah it's it's definitely interesting to see how even from a beauty point of view where there's particular importance put on relative dimensions of the face and things like that um yeah definitely interesting stuff for sure super Um, cool but yeah i i do um uh it'd be nice to think we could just shoot on a 24 to 70 shoot on one body and still be mindful of what focal length we're going to um you might have read a, a mutual friend ollie is um kind of did that experiment and i think there's some some barriers there in terms of the size of the lens and and um and things like that that yeah that i think i i'm, I'm not not particularly keen to do that anytime soon and i do like the idea that each prime lens is is a tool that has a purpose and to be mindfully changing and, and selecting those those lenses yeah. It's like, you know, choosing a different paintbrush and all that kind of wanky stuff. And all that art wanky stuff that we don't want to yeah. talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should have said a, di- a different uh, jigsaw tooth gauge, you know. Yeah. Anyway. That's, <laughs> suddenly, we're, suddenly we're in different Australian accent territory. Um, yes. So that's, that's a good, I think that's a pretty good amount of stuff that I wanted to talk to you about today. Thanks for coming on. One thing that I really wanted to um, pick your brain on is you're one of the only photographers I know who is not a commercial photographer. And by that, I mean like, you know, shooting small product and interior interiors and other bunch of things uh, who has started using capture one as opposed to Adobe Lightroom, which everyone else and their dog seems to use. Um, do yep. you have a, like, I mean, you have a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the reason is Capture One is better in every way. Um, that's the reason. The end. Goodbye. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> no. I uh, probably about five years ago, I did a I did a test um, and I played around with it, and very quickly, I'm like, oh, I'm vibing this enough that I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, do a full wedding on it, and I um, 
I I did one wedding on it and I'm like, oh, I'm never going to use Lightroom ever again. And I haven't. I literally have like forgotten how to use it. Sometimes like if I have had to use it helping someone else or, or whatever, occasionally I might need to open it and use it. I'm like, I literally don't know how to use this anymore. Mm. Um, there's a few things that I like about it. It is, I would, <laughs> so in my view, Lightroom is a prosumer piece of software. Um, it is not professional. Now that's going to upset so many people and challenge people. <laughs> yes. And l- let me back that up. That I think that um, if you look at the origins of photography and in terms of analog photography and things like that, um, the idea of like layers and um, and how we manipulate the image in, in those kind of that, that layer-based mindset has always been pretty ingrained in, in um, photography. And if you've mucked around in Photoshop, of course, you know, a layers-based um, piece of software. Um, the idea in Lightroom that, well, let me, not, let me not bag out Lightroom. Let me just talk about what I use. Having a layer-based system suits the mindset for me when I'm editing a photo. Um, right. And so that was significant off the bat. Um, that's perhaps a... Uh, detail but anyway there's a whole bunch of these things that all all gear me towards loving this piece of software um the raw engine is amazing um i think anyone that did a side-by-side comparison of kind of trying to replicate an edit and comparing um skin tone um and things like that really geeking out on image quality I don't think you'd have anyone that does that test that would come out going Lightroom is a better raw processor. I don't think anyone doing that test would come to that conclusion. I think That's Capture One is a better raw processor in terms and of the inter- how it- Yeah, and the interesting thing to note there is that's not Lightroom. That's Adobe Camera Raw because Lightroom uses Adobe Camera Raw. So that's the same yep. raw converter that you bring into Photoshop if you're opening from Bridge or, or you're yep. just opening from the Finder into Photoshop. That's the same... Adobe thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Yeah. So there's a few different profiles, um, you know, there's a, for, for each camera and, and they're just beautiful. Like before you even apply a preset, you look at your file and go, this looks nice. And there's some different um, base level adjustments that you can change separate to the camera profile as well. Um, there's more options with things like um, uh grain rather than just one, one although i know lightroom's changed a lot over the years since i've was using it regularly but different grain mm. types different clarity types uh, there there is more complex options that you can really geek out on it is um faster uh particularly there's been through the you know big transition to apple silicon so you know there's been, that's kind of been a hot mess for everyone so, to adapt to so it um, runs natively on apple silicon now yeah yeah for okay, about cool. a year i'd say Okay. Um, oh, wow. All right. Nice. So uh, that's great. Um, so yeah, on Apple Silicon, it is just lightning fast and instant, and I love it. Um, the actual usability when you're sitting down doing an edit, what I do and how I use it is I map the keyboard um, with a whole bunch of shortcuts. So some people use a, a, a you know a tablet a lot. Some people use yes. the mouse and whatever. Um, I, while I do use the, the mouse to do, um, you know, brush masking and stuff, I'm sitting heavily on the keyboard and I'm hitting combos like I was playing Mortal Kombat in 1992. 
to um, be making all these, um, you know, basic adjustments um, to each uh, each of my images. So I can very quickly be working through each image just using these keyboard shortcuts. And I actually modeled it off um, in terms of how I map my keyboard out, um, modeled it off Visco Keys, which was a plugin that Visco did years ago. Um, I still use. So I use P uh, Fixer. Yep. And I I use the standard or simple, I think it's simple or standard, whatever, whatever one I used to use on Visco Keys. Same. Yep. So, you know, like A-S-D-F-G-H-C-V-Z-X-Q-W-E-R. Yeah. Like I'm just all over that and then a few other things. And um, yep. that's like, for me, I, I totally agree. And I still use yep. that same mapping. Um, yeah. So you had so to go I'm- and manually do that in, in Capture One. You manually remapped those. There's a de- uh, there's a default um, there's a default layout, but I when I jumped across when I left right Lightroom, I was still using Visco keys, so I just replicated that. But even the way that it interact or it, the each key press responds is more logical and it's more baked into the software rather than a plugin. So right, if you yeah. were ho- to hold down exposure, like F for example, if you hit it once, it will go up 0.1 of a stop. If you push and hold, it will kind of be gradually increasing it as you hold it yeah. down, um, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Or you can activate a quick edit function um, uh, that is really great too, which is kind of almost like the equivalent of hovering over a tool and, and using your mouse to it to, to yeah, um, right. scroll left or right. So, Does it do modifier keys in this similar way? Like when you can go like, because I know you can use shift and option and control and various things. So like I'm used to having 0.1 as option. Like I think it does a normal amount and then shift does like three or 0.3 or, or 0.1 or different things or does it is it all about the hold duration it's more about the hold yeah i know what you mean because yeah, you used to i remember in visco keys you'd hold shift and it would do like 0.6 or whatever yeah so it's yeah. more about the hold vibe um uh and this quick edit function which i'd need to show you to to, to kind of demonstrate what i mean yeah. but it's if you okay. need to do broader strokes um is, is a good way of doing that um so the the speed, the user friendliness, the more complex ways to customize and adjust your images, um, and the finished product um, from the from the raw processing to then what I'm able to produce at the end, for me, I just find it undoubtedly and infinitely better. Um, there, and. It, I guess if you were to boil it down into the most simple terms, it's a cross between Lightroom and Photoshop. It's like you mash those two things together and that's what you have. Um, So even just explaining it in that way, people, while they might not be running off to go and try Capture One, you can probably understand the appeal of it by just explaining it that way. Um, So yeah, it's great. Um, And yeah, um, I guess that, yeah, that probably kind of covers that, I guess. Yeah. Pretty, yeah, cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. What's next? Have you got 2022 plans? Optimistically? Huh. <laughs> we don't I, wanna, it's hard planning anything at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. I really want to get my, my boy overseas um, this year because he's, you know, he's in grade two and it's been a while since, since I've been able to get him on a trip. Um, but other than that, I think we're all, particularly in Victoria, this is like our wedding season in Victoria at the moment. And, um, you know, coming out of COVID, there is like everyone's shooting a lot um, with postponements, last minute bookings and whatever. 
Um, so shooting a lot, but yeah, I, I, a few years ago, I, I made the decision to shoot a lot less weddings. Um, and so it had been a while, it's been a while since I've shot this much over a short amount of time Yeah, and, um, surprisingly loving it much more than I thought I would. I thought it would really take its toll and, and whatever, get me down. And it's like, I, I don't know, I guess maybe it's a bit of a novelty, um, mm. and maybe proving to myself that I, I still can do it. You know, I know this. Plenty of people out there that are regularly doing, you know, double headers and triple headers and quadruple Oof, headers. But um, just, yeah, it murder me um, as well. I'm not, not, not into that. No, no. Much. So, um, yeah, a few, few double headers, which I've, you know, said a long time ago I wouldn't do again, and and, and kind of because of the circumstances having to do them. But uh, yeah, that's cool. I'm enjoying it, loving it, and um, yeah. Other than that, just getting that balance right with family, trying to, you know, uh, have invest lots of time in each couple and and make sure that i'm getting to know them and giving them lots of love and um maybe even for a novel idea getting their photos to them on time um (laughs) what's that uh, yeah stuff like that (laughs) everyone thanks so much for listening to that episode with eric thank you eric for coming on the episode i'll put all eric's links down in the show notes uh chuck a nice five star review up on that apple podcasts place if you can i know it takes time and time is precious but if you can if you can remember to do that that'd be great see how far we can get this uh get a bit of traction going for this podcast now that i've started back up again for the year see how we can do that jump on the instagram for this uh there is an instagram account for baby got back end uh, i'm going to be posting some blog posts and stuff this year sporadically so check that out you'll see it all there um but yeah again mostly thanks for caring showing up and listening to a couple of people talking about a couple of things if you have some guest ideas people that you'd like to hear what the some hear about their opinions and how they do things and how they think about things chuck us a dm or shoot us an email links in the show notes see you next time